Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. We just seem to be on edge. Anybody else on edge a little more than usual? Anybody? Because like in all the other services, they're looking at me, what a bad pastor you are. But are we in this together? Like it just doesn't, t- it just takes nothing to put us over the edge. You're like, what's happening? It's hard right now. And it's hard to make the choice, I choose affliction. Who in the world, in their right mind, chooses affliction? I'll tell you, it's not a rhetorical question. The man, the woman that walks by faith. That's who. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Hello, friend. Great to start the week off with you, and welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Each of us are faced with a choice in life, similar to Moses, and that is, will we choose the eternal or the passing pleasures of sin? Moses was remembered in the Hall of Faith because he learned how to refuse, how to choose, and how to esteem. And as Pastor Ed opens Hebrews chapter 11, he explains why those are great steps to follow in. If I did a survey right now, how many of you would choose to follow Jesus? Me, 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 me. But your other hand, maybe the $10 million. Maybe. Sounds like an easier life. And then some of you would even ration. You're doing it right now. Well, I would choose both. Eh? They're on the table. I'll take them both. I'll be a nice Christian with $10 million. Okay, that's, human- that's our humanity. doesn't make you a bad person. But you've got to understand the weight of what Moses is doing here. He's choosing to forgo all that a man or woman could want for the rest of their lives and instead to stay loyal to God and to the people of God. He chose loyalty to God in the midst of great temptation. He had to, first of all, refuse, which then led to the choice. So let's bring it down a a couple notches because those are pretty high. Let's bring it down a couple notches. Marie recently went to the market and she brought back these containers of Magnum ice cream. Now, if you haven't been introduced to Magnum ice cream, you need to go to Israel with us because they taste better in Israel than they taste here. So at every stop, there's a nice white chocolate, this vanilla ice cream wrapped in thick white chocolate. Mm, So good. The best of the best. So they're they're in the States now, but now they're in a container. So they take a container, they fill the inside with white chocolate, then they shoot the ice cream in the white chocolate, then a bit of big, then they put a big thick layer of white chocolate, and that is very tempting. Because I just told Marie that I'm, not, I'm cutting down on sugar for a while. So the girl doesn't just bring one of those containers, she brings two on either side of the, the freezer. And let's just say... In the container, it looks good. But in your mouth, it tastes good. Because I opened it, and I ate a little, little, little bit of it. It's so good. And so it's there mocking me every time I get the chicken out, every time I get the bacon out, everything. It's just mocking me. 
but I'm not throwing it away. Believe me, I'm not throwing it away. It's going to sit there and tempt me, the passing pleasures of Magnum ice cream. I'm going to tell you something that doesn't. It would never tempt me. If Marie put Brussels sprouts all over the house, that's just sick. It's just like, who thought? It's like a deformed cabbage. Why? I don't care how much bacon you put on it. Like, that's nasty. I got ice cream, and I've got Brussels sprouts. Uh, you, you can fit whatever you want. You know, rhubarb. What's that all about? That's from the curse. These are like from the curse. And if you put those two together, like, of course I'm choosing. Of course I'm choosing the ice cream. Of course. Of course I'm going to take. I know I'm going to pay a price later. I know I have to work out a little bit more. Maybe my goals will be delayed. I, I know maybe my sh- blood sugar will go. I know I'm going to choose that. Brussels, seriously. Why? That's no temptation to me. It's no temptation to most of you either, given the same opportunity. But Moses, he's, he's faced with real temptation. And it's the difference between choosing ice cream and some nasty, deformed mini cabbage. Who does that? Who would choose that over ice cream? And don't raise your hand. When, I don't want to know about it. You need extra counseling. Like, that's just, you got to work with me on the illustration. Or just, like, that's just, that's just wrong. That's just wrong. And it would have been wrong for Moses to say, you know what? There's a lot of people here. God could use somebody else here. I know what mom taught me, but I'm going to take, I'm all in with Egypt. And maybe I can use all of Egypt for the, for the helping my people. But he knew that his choice did not involve a third option. It's follow Jesus or don't follow him. He refused, he chose, and then notice he also esteemed. Again, that's where we get the idea of weighing. He esteemed. That means he placed a high value on the reproach of Christ. Now, how could, he, how could he place a high value on the reproach of Christ? Jesus hasn't even come yet. It hasn't even been developed. Moses hasn't even written the Bible yet because he writes the first five books of the Old Testament. How can he talk about Christ? Well, that seed of the Messiah. We, we learn of Messiah back in Genesis. We know about the coming Savior he, back in Genesis. He hasn't have it all laid out, but he knew this. Following God brought reproach. Following God brought reproach. In a very small way, we're being tempted in that on ourselves. There's a little bit of pressure, a little bit of restriction, a little bit of warfare in the church, and you find we're going to fight the man, and we're going to fight it, and we're going to stand for our rights, and we're going to choose validation from Egypt? I don't need validation from Egypt. God validates his church. He created the church. Government didn't create the church. God created the church. I have no ability to fight for my rights. I gave up my rights when I chose to follow Jesus Christ. I refused. I lived in this world. I refused this world. And I chose to live close to Jesus, which brings a lot of affliction, a lot of opposition, a lot of pressure, a lot of choices. Not only that, but I've esteemed over the years, I've esteemed over the years that the reproaches of Christ, like, like he says here in verse 26, the reproaches of Christ are better than any riches that I could get in this world. And, and we're, we're finding a small little temptation for us as a church right now. We're finding being tested on this very thing. 
Look, the way of the cross is affliction. The way of the cross is reproach. It's not getting your way all the time. It's not comfortable. It's not easy. You, you think the current condition of your life right now, the current condition of our culture right now, the current condition of the world right now, you, if you think it's not going to get any worse, you just haven't read your Bible. It's going to get worse. And we may live through it. We may be in the middle of it. And then for the, after the rapture of the church, it's going to get really bad, which I don't think we'll be here for that. But see, the Lord is preparing us for what's up ahead. He's training us now for what's up ahead. He's drawing out from us. He's shaking everything that can be shaken so the things that can't be shaken will stand. He's, we're in the refiner's fire and things are being burned away in our flesh. And let me tell you that we're on edge. I mean, many of us are on edge. I'll speak for myself. We're on edge. I, we had a situation yesterday with one of the brothers here. He's coming in, taking care of things, but things are changed here because we're rearranging the whole building, getting ready for school, social distancing, this. So we're trying to do our best to be above reproach. But he comes in and he goes, I can't work with this. And I'm getting these texts in there and the pastor getting involved. And, and I could tell he was frustrated. I know him personally. I've known him for 19, 20 years. So I know he's getting frustrated. And I'm like, it's going to be okay. We're going to work through this. Thanks for your patience. And then maybe two or three hours later, he says, I'm sorry, Ed, I was in the flesh. Yeah, I could tell just, I wasn't there, but I could tell through text that you were aggravated. I could tell. And it's okay. We're all aggravated. And, but I, I shared with him just a little bit of insight. I said, take what you were feeling and multiply it by 10,000. I just made the number up, 10,000. And that's the world that I've been living in for the last five, six, eight, 12 weeks, and then in other parts of my life, um, years. And we just seem to be on edge. Anybody else on edge a little more than usual? Anybody? Because like in all the other services, they're looking at me, what a bad pastor you are. But are we in this together? Like it just doesn't, it just takes nothing to put us over the edge. You're like, what's happening? It's hard right now. And it's hard to make the choice. I choose affliction. Who in the world, in their right mind, chooses affliction? I'll tell you. It's not a rhetorical question. The man, the woman that walks by faith, that's who. As I shared earlier, you know, I've, I faced affliction that wasn't my choice, and I just like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want any more trouble in my life. I've even said that out loud. I bet you if you look through my diary, you know, as I'm my prayer journal, I bet you more than one time, I don't want any more, I don't want any more, I don't want it. God knows I don't want any more, but I'm the clay on the wheel. Where? In the potter's hands. And so I would do well to choose what God has chosen for me. You would do well to choose what God has chosen for you. And you say, well, Ed, how will I know that? It will come with the options. You will have a choice of the world and the culture, or you will have a choice to follow God. And as you choose to follow God, you'll have to refuse things. And you'll have to esteem things. And then follow through in obedience. As Moses weighs out his life, he follows through what Jesus taught in Luke 14. He's counted the cost. He chose affliction with his people. He chose to suffer with them rather than enjoy a life of no suffering while he watches his own. He stayed loyal to God. And therefore, loyal to one another. As he walked by faith, he was built up and strengthened. 
He could refuse the world. Jot it down, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. He's following through what was written years later when John says, don't love the world or the things in the world because the things that are in the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There's competing loves. You can't do both. Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon. You've got to choose. Over and over the Bible says, choose you this day whom you'll serve, Joshua says. But as for me and my house, I'm serving the Lord. And I don't care what it costs. I know it's going to be painful. I don't even know how painful it's going to be. But when I get to that pain, I know that God will meet me there because I'm the clay. Where? In the potter's hands. Moses' life was laid out for him. And as he cooperated with God, he's in the hall of faith. (laughs) We don't have the chapter of Moses saying, oh, he chose Egypt. Because if he did choose Egypt, let's just say he did, he wouldn't be in the hall of faith, but someone else would be. Because God will accomplish his purposes with or without us. I was just thinking recently, I was just thinking, man, God could do what he wants to do in Colorado with or without us. I just, want him, I just want to do I just want to be a part of what he's doing. I don't want to be the without. I want to be the with. I want my life to align with him so that we're as a church, and that, that's kind of how, how the overall direction of our church has been for 20 years, but through every crisis as God's got us to one, to another, another, is the long game, not the short game. It's the long game. It's the people we're going to meet. It's the testimony we have in the community. It's the power of God resting upon the weakness of man. Not the power of man. Even if we were to win something, what have we won? We want to see people won to Christ. We want to see hearts won over. We want to see the brokenhearted healed. We want to see those divided reconciled. We want to see people walk through. We want to see lives saved. And we don't want to get caught up with the love of this world, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. You have to make a choice. You know it's been said that you make your choices, then your choices make you. It's true. Your life to this point is a summary of the choices you've made, the responses that you had. Sometimes it gets so hard and so difficult that you react, and that's rarely good. (laughs) Rarely good as a quick reaction. Sometimes it's okay. You know, it's like the reflexes that were really good got out of danger or something, but rarely in regular life does reaction actually lead to spiritual growth, but a measured response, surrender to the Holy Spirit, is a good thing. But it's counterintuitive. It's counter-cultural. You know, the, the hatred that's coming to the church today, that's just surfacing in our country, but in other countries it's already... But the hatred is not actually toward the church. You know that. You know what the Bible says. Jesus said this, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. That's what he said. He says, the hatred that you're experiencing is that cosmic battle between good and evil, between the devil and Jesus Christ, truly. And a hatred toward Jesus spills over. But the problem is, is we don't like to be hated. We don't like opposition. We really don't even like things not going our way. So we jump in, and we want to take control, and we want to make our own choices, and we want to choose, well, I'll mix it here, and I'll do this, and I'll take this, and that way it'll give me temporary comfort, but we'll miss the bigger picture of what God's really wanting to do by bringing discomfort into your life, by, by bringing it to a place where you have to choose. The choices you make today 
will affect you in this life and in the life to come. They affect your friends. Your choices affect your family, even your descendants. Even your single day, well, I don't know, I don't have any kids or anything. No, no, no. Your life affects many people for the cause of Christ or not. And the decisions you make today, listen, you've got to receive this before we leave. The decisions you make today will absolutely 100% affect your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and beyond. Every decision, your marriage, the choice of obedience or disobedience, your singleness, who you are at work, who you are in your community, you will pass these things on. Every choice. Choices are important. Consider this. Back in the 19th century in the 1800s, there were two men, both living in New York. One was named Max Jukes. The other, his name was Jonathan Edwards. You Bible students might know Jonathan Edwards as a very successful pastor and preacher. Max Jukes lived in New York, and he didn't believe in Jesus. Neither did he believe in raising his kids to believe in God. So much so that even in an era and a time where everybody went to church no matter what, when his kids asked to go to church, he wouldn't even take his kids there. And he raised his kids in such a way to be against God, not for God. Well, those that study these things found that Max Jukes had 1,026 descendants. 300 of them were sent to prison. 190 of them became prostitutes. 680 of them were admitted alcoholics. And his family cost the state of New York in excess of $420,000 in 1800s. In today's dollars, that they were a drain on society to the millions, double digits at least, taking, taking, taking in the prison system, on the streets, finding themselves as a drain on society, living desperate, difficult lives under the influence of alcohol. They made no contrib contribution to society whatsoever that we know of. A godless man leaving a godless legacy. On the other hand, contrast him with Jonathan Edwards. He lived in the same state at the same time as Max did. He loved the Lord and made sure his kids were with him and his wife in church every Sunday, discipled his kids, doing exactly what we're talking about here. They found that he had 929 descendants at the time of the study. 430 of them were called to full-time ministry. 86 became university professors. 13 became university presidents. 75 became authors writing valuable books. Seven were elected to United States Congress. One of his descendants was the vice president of the United States of America. Edward's family never cost the state one dime. Why? Because of choices. Just the choice in front of you. In our culture today, it's all about immediate gratification, immediate satisfaction. But you got to think long term, church. You got to think the long game. Your decisions today are going to have ramifications in the future. However, the long waits to, however long he delays is coming. You know, we're waiting for the rapture, we're waiting for the return of Christ. Until then, your choices matter. You got to see the big picture. It's just not about you alone. Your life affects all your descendants, it's about you and your children and your children's children, and their children, and all the people that you will impact. It's about the legacy you're leaving. You know, a lot of people are afraid of legacy because it's so imposing. It's like the big, like legacy. How could I ever leave a legacy? Don't let it overwhelm you. Here's how you leave a legacy. By today's choice. 
and another choice, and another choice. The sum total of a legacy is a series of choices. I, I think of how rapid, how instantly God turned my family around. As I was born again, my wife was born again, everything changed. Everything changed in an instant. I would walk into a room like this, lost, overcome by drugs and alcohol, got my wife ready to leave me. I, 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 I walked in, a me- like it was, it, I was on the way to having descendants that would just be another statistic. But God, God's able to work on the inside. He's able to change the whole course of history by you, by you. The whole course of history changes by your connection with him. You change everything. You can change everything downward with your kids, grandkids. You can change things upward as you begin to share the love and mercy and grace with your family going both ways. Moses stands as a testimony today of his choices. He wasn't a perfect man. None of us are. But man, he was remembered because he learned how to refuse, he learned how to choose, and he learned how to esteem. I love it. Which way will you go? God gives you a book. He gives you the book. It reveals his character and his nature. It reveals his will, his desires for you. He gives you the spirit, the internal power that helps you and me grow. And these choices really are made in the privacy of your own heart. We don't get to see them. We get to see the results, but we don't get to see what happens personally. This happens in the privacy of your home. It happens when you're alone in the car. It happens when you are at work and being in tr- It happens in the personal, private parts of your life. And Moses, by faith, says, I choose the eternal. I choose God. It means I'm going to suffer now. It means I'm not going to have everything that I want. It means that it's going to be difficult for me. But I choose the afflictions with the people of God and the passing pleasures of sin. This is Abounding Grace with our Bible teacher and pastor, Ed Taylor. Catch a replay at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through the Calvary Church app. You can search for Ed Taylor to download that today. Well, Pastor Ed, today's program was all about choices. But we choose the eternal, as Moses did, or choose to follow the way of the world. Any final thoughts about that as we close? You know, Larry, we don't always place the greatest emphasis upon our ability to choose, and I'm glad that the Bible does. The Bible does place an emphasis not only on making wise choices, but also the benefits of those choices. You know, like I was raising, I raised, Marie and I have had the privilege of raising our kids into adulthood. One of the things that we were, we used to disciple them and train them, one of the things I said, I don't know, I made it up, I picked it up along the way, but... I own it, you know, it's mine uh, now because that's how I raised each of my kids. And, and I told them that they would much rather want the consequences of obedience than the consequences of disobedience. That's an important choice because a lot of times we do look, well, if I do this, then this, and what will they think and what? Well, that, that's a lot to think about, but let's just narrow it down. Doing the right thing is worth paying the price, period. Doing the wrong thing is going to be super, super painful. And we have been looking at this in particular. It'll be up on Abounding Grace soon enough. But we've been looking at this in particular in our series that we did called Family Matters. And I launched it off with that great passage of Scripture from Joshua where he says, you know, you guys choose. I'm paraphrasing. You, you, if you want to be evil, you want to choose evil, that's fine. But as for me and my house, we're going to choose the Lord. 
And that's a great choice to make. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. Penned on a train from Illinois to Texas, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer has proven to be helpful to anyone longing for a deeper experience with God. This book is a modest attempt, Tozer wrote, to aid God's children so to find Him. If you're hungry, the pursuit of God will lead you to the only one who can satisfy the soul. And we'll gladly send you a copy for a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Thank you for remembering us in your prayers and giving to the Lord. Your gift, whatever the size, will serve to help us reach thousands with the message of Christ. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, 877-30-GRACE. Ordering resources is easier than ever now through our e-store at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. If you'd just like to make a donation and are not interested in the pick of the month, you could just go online to aboundinggraceradio.com. We've got another study in Hebrews to look forward to tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.